Thus, after Peter the Hermit's departure and the very great disaster which befell his army, and then, a short while after the cruel massacre of the army led by Gottschalk the priest, Indeed, after the misfortune of Emiko and the obliteration of his army cruelly carried out in the kingdom of Hungary at the gate of Moshon, after all this, Godfrey, Duke of the realm of Lorraine, a most noble man, and his brother of the same womb, Baldwin, Warner of Grez, a relative of that very same duke, Baldwin of Bork, Henry of Esch, and his brother Godfrey. Very brave men and very illustrious princes. In the middle of August of the same year, made the journey by the direct route to Jerusalem. They stayed in quarters near the city of Toln, in the land of Austria, where the river Leta marks the boundary and divides the kingdom of Gaul. They stayed for three weeks of September so that they might listen and find out for what reason or by which method had arisen the upheaval. In which, a little while before, the army of pilgrims had been destroyed and turned away from its plan to go to Jerusalem, with its princes and leaders, and was now coming back towards them in despair. At last, after much unpleasant rumoring as to what they should do first, and what would be a cautious and well-advised way to explore the truth of the matter, and the cruelty the Hungarians had shown their fellow Christians after dealing with them on many occasions. It seemed to everyone sensible to not send in advance any of the most renowned and chief men, except Godfrey of Esch, to inquire into this abominable murder and wickedness, because he was known to Kalman, the king of the country, having been sent a long while before this journey on an embassy from Duke Godfrey to this same king of Hungary. They sent along with him 12 others chosen from the Duke's household, Baldric, Stabilo, and others whose names are not known, so that they might disclose the missions of these many nobles in this way. To King Kalman of the Hungarians, Godfrey, Duke of Lorraine, and the other nobles of Gaul, send greetings and every token of goodwill in Christ. Crudeli, martirio, exercitum 
they we wantish Our lords and princes wonder why, since you are of the Christian faith, you have destroyed the army of the living God with such a cruel martyrdom, and you have in fact forbidden them to pass through your land and kingdom, and have with various calumnies afflicted them. Because of this, they are now shaken by fear and doubt, and they have decided to delay at Toln until they can learn from the mouth of the king why so cruel a deed was perpetrated by Christians persecuting Christians. The king replied with all his assembled men listening, We are not persecutors of Christians. Rather, whatever cruelty we have shown towards them, or death we have inflicted on them, we did out of compelling necessity. For in the beginning, we prepared all good things for the army of yours, which Peter the Hermit assembled. A license was granted to buy goods in fair weight and measure, and we organized peaceful passage for them through the land of Hungary. They gave us back evil in return for good, not only stealing gold and silver, horses and mules, and herds from our territory, but even destroying our cities and castles, and killing about 4,000 of our people. They plundered belongings and clothes. After Peter's company committed these most intolerable and unjust injuries against us, Gottschalk's army followed, and then the one that was destroyed and put to flight and which you met, laid siege to the castle and fortification of our realm at Moshon. Wanting in their pride and in the tyranny of their strength to enter our domain, to punish and drive us out, from whom with God's help we were only just defended. However, while the king was replying these things, he ordered those same envoys of the duke to be entertained with honor in his own palace, where everything they needed was served to them, lavishly at the king's very table for eight days. After those eight days, the king sent back the envoys with envoys from his own court to carry the king's replies to the duke and the army commanders in this manner. King Colman, 
to Duke Godfrey and all his fellow Christians, sends greetings and unfeigned love. We have heard this about you, that you are a powerful man and prince in your land, and that you are found to be trustworthy by all who have known you. And accordingly, and because you are always careful of your good reputation, I have now chosen to see and acknowledge you. I have come to a decision that you may come down to us at our castle of Chopron with no thought of any danger. And if our armies stay on either side of the marsh, we may safely hold a conference about all the things you have asked us about and of which you suppose us guilty. After he heard this message from the king, the duke, relieved of his company, taking with him only 300 soldiers, advanced towards the king in the indicated place. Finding the king there, he greeted him in a friendly way and kissed him with humble devotion. Then they held various conversations between them about friendship and the reconciliation of Christians until this consideration of peace and love made such good progress that the duke was convinced of the king's faith. Then, for eight days, the king held many meetings of his own men. Seeking to find a plan by which such an innumerable army, heavily armed, could be allowed in trust and confidence into his country, still keeping his kingdom and people's possessions safe. At last, a plan was devised and was announced to the Duke that unless eminent men and leaders of the army were given as hostages, no passage would be granted to him and his men. When he heard this, the duke acceded to the wishes of the king in all things, and did not refuse to give the hostages he sought. Without delay, the king sealed a treaty with the duke. All the nobles of the kingdom also sealed it with a sworn oath not to harm the pilgrims further as they passed through. And with all these matters settled thus on both sides in good faith, the king, on the advice of his men, asked that Baldwin, the duke's own brother, should be a hostage, and his wife as well, and all his household. Without any argument, the duke agreed to satisfy this condition. 
referens quantá ei rex curan et honorem exibuerit et omnia quae cum rege et primatibus illius pactusit et pospauca statim amonuit fratrem sum valuinum et obses fieret pro populo sicut decretum erat qui vehementer capit reniti et contradicere Therefore, the duke returned from the kingdom of Hungary and was restored to his people, reporting how much care and honor the king had exhibited towards him, and all the things he had agreed with the king and his nobles. And after a little time, he reminded his brother Baldwin that he was at once to be a hostage for the people, as had been decreed. But Baldwin began to resist and argue violently until the duke, worried by his irresolution, decided that Baldwin should assume the care of God's army and he himself would not hesitate to become hostage in his brother's place. At last, Baldwin put all the wavering out of his mind and consented to become a hostage and to be sent across in exile for the safety of his brothers and sisters. Constituit sub judicio mortis nequiqua. Therefore, now that so illustrious a prince had become a hostage, the whole of the army was allowed in over the bridge across the marsh. In accordance with the command and consent of the king, Duke Godfrey appointed heralds to announce that no one, under pain of death, should touch anything or carry off anything by violence in the kingdom of Hungary, or cause any insurrection but should purchase everything at a fair price. In the same way, the king also ordered to be announced throughout the whole kingdom that the army might procure a plentiful supply of necessities. Bread, wine, corn, and barley. In beasts of the field, in those which flew in the sky. In silentio et pace, in mensure equa justa venditione duce populus regnum Hungariae. So it was that every day, in peace and quiet, buying in fair and just measure, the duke and the people crossed the kingdom of Hungary, with the king continually marching on their left side with a strong troop of cavalry, together with Baldwin and the other hostages. And with everyone, they came down to Evilville, where the kingdom of the Hungarians ends, spending five nights on the banks of the Sava River. Imperatoris Constantinopolis affuisce ad prohibenda peregrini suiam per regnum Bulgariae. There it became known to the Duke and other leaders of the army that the irresistible might of the imperial army of Constantinople was present to deny the pilgrims passage through the kingdom of Bulgaria. Reprimendo sostes milites imperatoris 
And now we got it. Because of this, the Duke and everyone formed a plan that they should send a part of the army in advance across the river, bearing arms, to keep back the enemy soldiers of the Emperor until the people had sailed over. For only three ships were discovered there, in which a thousand armored soldiers were sent across to take possession of the bank. The rest of the multitude crossed over the riverbed by joining together wood and vines. Scarcely had the prince and his people crossed over, when they saw the king in all his state, with the duke's brother Baldwin and his wife and all the hostages, which he restored to the duke in that same place. And then he returned into his own kingdom, having commended the duke and his brother with very great love, which he showed by many gifts and the kiss of peace. The duke and all his company settled on the other bank and stayed all night in the Bulgarian town of Belgrade. Which Peter and his army had not long ago plundered and consumed with fire. When morning came, the Duke and his army rose and entered the immense and mysterious forests of the Bulgarian kingdom, where they were met by legates of the emperor. <laughs>